We're going to invite a spe- one of my most special friends up here. And her name is Maddie, or Madeline. And uh, we've got, we've got a, a baby dedication today. Now, this is what I'm talking about, family to belong to. Um, last weekend, last Saturday, we, the Luke and Andy Franklin dedicated little Graham, who's not so little. He's like a year old, and he's like 30 pounds. He's a tank. Maddie, on the other hand, is just about a year old, and um, she, come on up, guys. These are all of her brothers. Come on over, guys. All the way to me. Yeah, we've got a lot of protectors. What's up, man? How are you? How are you? How are you? Hey. Oh, you are awake. So, can we grab, you have the mic? So, let's just get to know these guys a second. So, can you just share it with you? Yeah, you're, this is what your names are. Okay, my name is Crystal, and these are my children. Addison is the oldest, Maddie. Then there's the twins, Dylan and Vincent, even though they don't look like twins. <laughs> and, of course, this is Maddie. She turns one on Tuesday. Yeah. So, um, now, if you were here for the student worship night, you'll know that Crystal was there, and she shared her story um, about Maddie and all that, which is great. But just really quick about, like, how long you've been coming to second place and maybe how you got connected here. Um, I've been coming to second place since she was about four months old, and that was thanks to Amy, um, Amy Doty, and uh, it's been beautiful ever since. Um, I shared with uh, Sarah that I wanted to share this special day with you guys because for me, you guys are my family. Um, And uh, ever since I found second place, I really found a a home. So thank you very much for helping us feel welcome and feel like we always have somewhere to come. (laughs) Sarah's already crying, so. Sure. So there's a there's a, a passage from Psalms that we uh, we share at the top one. I think um, the first one. It's children are heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. From Psalm 127. We really believe that, and we really believe that they are um, just a reward, and they're they're amazing. And so um, we love the fact that you guys are all here, standing up here with your sister and your mama, and it's really cool. So um, just talk a little bit about how important this moment is. I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to lose it. Um, I think it's a picture of what we hope that we don't just say, but that we do, that we are family. And um, I know Amy has really been family to you, that um, she recognized that it wasn't just about um, how to give you resources and how to, um, you know, make sure that you have the things that you need just material-wise, but she recognized that your spirit, your your soul was so important to God and that um, your whole family is our family and uh, it's who we want to be, you know. Um, I think uh, you boys are just an awesome picture of how you care for your sister you should see them come in and grab her um, <laughs> after school like literally grab her and throw her and I'm like wow 
Okay, we're good? Okay, we're good. Um, and I think that that's a picture of like what God wants to be to our family. Like he wants us to have joy. He wants us to get through this life, not just get through. He wants us to find him, find peace, find joy in all of that. And so as a church, we're doing um, all that we know at this moment. Um, and hopefully we grow in that knowledge to know how to come alongside you, Crystal, and um, to be that support, to be um, able to link arms and to do life with you and to recognize that um, parenting is hard. Single parenting, really hard, like really hard. And so um, we want to give you some resources. We have a box here that um, we know that she is growing leaps and bounds. If you've seen her along the way, um, I don't know if any of those pictures are available. You can see how tiny um, she was. And it's like, oh, just to see her grow. Look at you boys. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think that's pretty descriptive. I think that's a great picture of you guys. Um, so, you know, we've been able to see Maddie grow physically. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, we, we, uh, we've been able to see her grow physically, but we want to see her grow in her faith as well. And we know that um, as we kind of link arms with you that we have a Bible um, that's uh, touch and feel that she can carry around and um, keep with her. And then... Um, a CD with the music and then the letter from Joe and um, we Joe has been working with Maddie to try to be okay like they're gonna be friends and she's gonna go with him we're gonna see how that all works out but um, we want we want her to know that we were all here today that we prayed that we said that we were going to be um, family that comes alongside you that doesn't um, just expect you to know how to do all these things but that we're gonna figure your life out together um, none of us have all the answers. We don't know what each situation calls for, but we know that when we go to the Father, he promises to give us good gifts. And so um, we're going to just take each day, one day at a time, and um, be family the best that we know how. So we have a couple of challenges um, for Crystal. And so we wanted to um, kind of like read a couple of these from the scriptures and, and allow that to, to be something that she can agree to. So the first one is from Joshua 24. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is a big declaration by Joshua um, towards the end of his life. And he is just saying, this is what it's all about. This is what my house is going to do. And so the challenge um, to Crystal today is to say, as for our house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you agree to take that challenge, say, I do. Awesome. And then the second one is from Deuteronomy 6, and it talks about this. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, so Crystal's heart, and press them on your children. And so... This is a little longer one. I'm going to love, serve, and obey the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and strength. I will set an example in speech and life, training my child in the ways of the Lord. If you accept this challenge, you can say, I do. Awesome. So then this is the one for you guys. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let, let each generation, that would be all of us, tell its children, these guys, um, of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. 
So this is on you guys. So we're going to encourage, support, and sustain this family as they raise this child to know the love of Jesus. If you guys accept that challenge, say we do. Okay, you got it. That's awesome. So Maddie comes to Natural Discovery every day during the week, and she's the first one that shows up bright and early. And so every day, I'm like, Maddie's here. And so it's usually about 6 o'clock in the morning, right? Maddie's here. She knows what that means. And so then sometimes I'm able to come over to Sarah and, and, and let, me, let me squeeze by with my gimpy foot. See if, okay. see if we can. What's up, girl? How are you? You're doing so awesome. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pray for your sister. Um, yeah. And Crystal and everybody. Yeah. So let's go ahead and pray. Will you guys pray with me? So Heavenly Father, we lift up this precious, awesome child of God to you. And Lord, we just pray a blessing upon her, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that her eyes and her heart would be so set on you. Lord, that she would just, from an early age, trust you. And Lord, as the passage that I, I picked out for her from Proverbs 18, Lord, that you are a strong tower. And Lord, that she's going to run to you and find strength. Lord, I pray that you would order her steps, that you would bless her, that you would guide her, that, uh, that she would be able to make a massive impact for you, that, that her sweet spirit, her her heart for you would be evident as she grows up, Lord God, and that she would never stray, but Lord, that she would always, always, always trust in you. So Lord, we pray for big things for Maddie. And we pray, God, that you would strengthen us around this precious family to help them, Lord God, when they need it and to be family to them when they need it. Lord, you've connected us in awesome ways and we continue to pray, Lord God, that this would be an amazing story that we can be a part of. We bless Maddie today, in Jesus' name, amen. That was easy. That was easy. So I, maybe she'll go back to you. I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's comfy, so. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think so, yeah. There you go. Can we hear it for this awesome fam? Is there anybody that's hungry? I got to go grab something over here. Is there anybody that's hungry in the room? Okay, cool. So I just need quick a minute. I, I have, these are actual donuts, all right? These are actual donuts. I just need three volunteers that are feeling it. They would like a donut, and they like, let me tell them a quick story. That'd be awesome. All you have to do is literally come up here and get the donut and sit and eat it. It's not that hard. Three of you, can I get three? I, do you want to see the donuts? Because Toby doesn't trust me. No, they're, they're legit. They're regular donuts. They're, they're maple glazed donuts. Like literally no one's going to. Thank you, Matt. Like I was about to eat one myself. I'm hungry. John, let's go. So I'm going to tell a quick story. If you sit here, then when I'm done telling the story, then you guys can go. That's all you got to do. Just, just take a donut. There's no trickery. Usually there's trickery. Usually there's trickery, but not today. Is it really? It's your favorite? So, good job. Let's hear it for these guys that are eating the donuts. So, um, here's a story that I want to tell you. Um, I want to tell you about Mink the Bear. 
All right. Now, this is a story that I heard this past week, um, and it, you can Google it. You can look it up. But mink uh, is, is a great uh, bear. Now, what's awesome is that um, there was an older gentleman who um, befriended mink the bear, and uh, wild bear, and began to give her a maple-glazed donut every day. Gave her a maple-glazed donut every single day. Every single day for 10 years. For 10 years, this guy gave the bear a maple-glazed donut. And then something tragic happened. The gentleman passed away. And what ended up happening is that Mink the bear began to go into town looking for a maple glazed donut. It got so crazy because the bear was rummaging. She had cubs at the time, was teaching the cubs to actually rummage through garbage and, and get some food out of the garbage that they were trying to figure out, okay, are we going, maybe we put the bear down. Maybe we put, and everyone said, boo, boo. You want to kill the bear? Stop. You don't want to kill a bear. Well, let the bear live. And so they didn't put the bear down. They chose to relocate Mink very far north. This is in New Hampshire, to near Canada, um, several hundred if not thousand miles away or whatever, and it's just far, far away. And, and what the story last week was about is that they put a little collar on her and they, so they could kind of see how she's doing. And the latest, last, mid-last week, was that Mink was slowly making her way back to town. Isn't that hilarious? Let's hear it for these guys. You can take your seats if you want, or you can stay in the front row, which is where, you know, you might want to stay. I don't know. Yes. Good deal. But um, don't we all want a maple donut? I mean, we're just like the bear. I mean, if you think about it, we all have something that we want really, really bad. We want to either look good, feel good, and it looks different for all of us. Whatever your, your maple glazed donut is, I don't know, but we all have that thing that we have a desire for and that we'll do almost anything for. We'll work hard for it. We'll work overtime for it. We'll sacrifice for it. We'll go the extra mile for it, and we'll work hard, and we'll do whatever it takes, and we'll do that to the point where we actually don't really care what anybody else thinks. Because we're focused, man. We are going for it. We believe that this is what we're called to. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is our thing. Let's go. And so we don't really care about what other people think about what we're doing. Maybe you've known somebody like that. Maybe you've known somebody that has gone the extra mile or done whatever it takes to get what they want. Um, but let me tell you, what we're going to learn today and especially it's great to have a dedication today and to be here together. We're going to learn this, that together we can actually help each other be the people that God intended for us to be. We can together help each other to be the people that God intends us to be. Now, let's just talk for a second about God's plan for God's people. All right, real quick, let's just kind of level set God's plan for God's people. 
It's basic, right? Genesis. God creates Adam and Eve. They're the only part of creation that is so different that it's an image of God. They're made in the image of God. They're to reflect what God is like to the rest of the world. They're set apart. They're different than the rest of creation. And we know if you read the Old Testament that there's a lot of failure that happens because the people of God aren't really great representations of who God is. The goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, they're not really great representations of that. And so God's plan for God's people isn't working out so well. And, and it kind of turns into people's plan for God's people. And, and so, so God creates through Moses, it, he creates this law and the system that is all very specific about how we're supposed to live. The people of God live like this. This is what will set you apart and allow you to be different. And so we see in the early books of Scripture that there's all kinds of, of, of laws and rules for the people of God to follow. Things like, if, you're, if you have leprosy, get out of town. You're contagious. God knew that. Don't touch a dead body. You probably get sick. God knew that. And so he was building this system to allow God's people to be different and to even be um, full of life. And, and how, how many of you have read and know that the system doesn't work out so well because no one can keep this law? It doesn't work out. And so the students have been going through the book of Judges. And this past week, they, they, went, they went through the book of Judges as kind of like their, their content for the night. And, and what we see after several failed attempts at trying to be the people of God, there comes a point where God institutes these judges. The judges are kind of messed up. And at the end of the book, it says this in Judges 21-25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what what was right in his own eyes. I mean, how many of you have been there? We just talked about the fact that some of us have known people that will do anything they can to get, and to the point of, like, I don't really care what anybody else thinks because I believe that what I see and what I believe to be right, I'm going to do. This, that second line there, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, could really be a kind of like a tagline for our culture today, right? Everyone just does whatever they want. And, it, and it's just kind of like how we, like the, the water that we swim in every single day. It was kind of like this idea that when there was no king, there was no difference. There was no authority. See, if a king was on the scene, what would happen is there would be somebody that would stand up and would say, you know what, this is what we're supposed to look like. This is how we're supposed to be. But there wasn't a king. So there's really no difference. And everyone feels like they can do whatever they want. And they fell to the level of whatever I think I want to do, I can do. And no one cared what anybody else had to say about it. 
And if you know the story, through the judges, you have like finally the, the nation of Israel gets the king, and it's Saul, and he's jacked up, and it doesn't go well. And then David comes on the scene. He's, the, he's God's man for the job. How many of you know he's jacked up too? Not an okay guy. He's the best king that they've ever had but he's still not okay. He's not the son of God, and he's not the Messiah. He's not the king, capital K. And so then we see Jesus come onto the scene. And Jesus is that king that we've all been looking for, that God's people were looking for. Jesus is that king. Is anybody there? Some of us are. The problem is, is that when he shows up, he doesn't clean house the way that everybody wants him to. I'm oppressed by the Romans. Jesus is coming as king. Let's get rid of the Romans. But he doesn't clean house. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He assembles a small group, maybe even a growth group. He, he assembles these 12 guys to be together and to what? To help each other be the people that God intends for them to be and show the world what God is like. I mean, that goes all the way back to Abraham, when Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to all nations. This is what these guys, these 12, Jesus was going to kickstart his whole ministry and the kingdom of God, the new kingdom that he was bringing, he was going to do that through a small group of 12 guys. He was a relational king, and this blew their minds. A relational king? I mean, usually the king sits in a high tower. We never are able to be, you know, he's in a castle somewhere. We never get to see him except on a patio somewhere really far away. But this guy, he's in with us. He's among us. And he creates this 12-person network. And these guys are completely different. You have a zealot who hates the government, and you have a tax collector who works for the government. I'd love to be in that small group that night, right? These guys are not alike. But they choose to put their differences aside and to focus on the goal of saying we're going to accomplish what Jesus is setting out to do. They go even to the point of becoming tighter than family. Tighter than family. And Matthew, Jesus' mother, who did believe that he was he was from God, was with his brothers, his half-brothers, and, and they were all coming to talk to him. And some people came to Jesus and they said, hey, your mother and your brothers are here and they want to talk to you. And do you know what Jesus says? Very confusing statement, but think about it for a second. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He points to his disciples and he says, these, this is my mother and my brother, these guys right here. And then he follows up and he says, because this, whoever does the will of the Father is my mother, my sister, and my brother. They're tighter. Like he, he is connected in a way. He's saying, these guys, these 12 that I've put together, they're tighter to me than my family is. He's a relational king. Why, why does Jesus do it this way? Well, I think that part of it is that he kind of gets Proverbs, right? He, he gets that iron sharpens iron. He understands that what it's going to take is a little bit of Proverbs 27. 
that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And when you think about this, some of us have experienced this. Now, I know that this is probably most of the time it's preached as like, you know what, we need to get around godly people and they'll help us become more godly. That's true. But we also know that bad company corrupts, right? So if you were to put yourself around bad people, they're going to sharpen you into a really bad person. Some of you have been on the receiving end of that, and you're not proud of it. Some of us, you know, if you are trying to be good, you know, you get around good people, they're going to sharpen you into a good person. If you, the fully devoted followers of Christ are going to sharpen other people into fully devoted followers of Christ. Iron sharpens iron. And it does that by kind of like getting all of the impurities off and sharpening that edge. You know, the statement goes something like, the person you'll be in five years from now is greatly impacted primarily by the books you read and the friends you make. Iron sharpens iron. And so I think that Jesus understands this. He understands that together, these guys can help each other become the people God intends for them to be. And I believe that God knows that we, together, can help each other be the people that God intends for us to be. I didn't tell you the whole story about Mink the Bear. So I literally was looking last uh, yesterday uh, morning for like a photo of Mink the Bear that we showed earlier. And I was like, that's cool. And a news article popped up. And guess what? Mink is back in town. Yes, she is. And so they, had, they put a collar on her, and so there's a picture of her with this collar, and they know that it's her, and she's back in town, and she's looking for some donuts. Isn't that crazy? And, and they tracked her, her, her pathway. So here's a map of how she got there. Like, look at this map. Like, whoop, like, Bill and I were talking. He had a great thing. He said, he said I'm so glad that it's a squiggly line. And it's not like straight to the town because that would have been horrifying. Like, no, the bear's coming. But she took her time, you know. They say that she walked thousands of miles, um, about 30 miles a day. And she got back to town. There's a little news report you can watch on it, the whole thing. And so they're trying to figure out what are they going to do with her. Now, she doesn't have cubs, and, you know, they're kind of feeling like, okay, this might be okay as long as she, like, behaves herself and stays in the woods and all that stuff. But she's still a bear, and she's got, she got back to town. You know, we wonder sometimes, um, like, how this all works, but don't we all end up back at the donuts? We do, right? Like, we have all this, like, vision and fervor to, like, be like sold out for God and I'm going to do this thing and this is going to be awesome and then it's like squirrel and then we go after the donuts and we're gobbling donuts up and we're like I don't care what anybody says these are good man is that what we do? I don't know but we're, we get back to that point, whatever that represents to you, you get thrown off your game, you get thrown off your, your walk, and all of a sudden you're back, and you're rubbing, rummaging through a garbage can looking for some food. And I'm telling you right now, that bear wasn't made to rummage through garbage. That bear, what they tried to do is they tried to put that bear back to where it lives, in the woods, in the wilderness, where it could be wild and live as a bear. 
And the same thing is true for you. You're not made to rummage through garbage and to find things that people say are good or the world says are important. You're to live an adventure in the wilderness, with an adventure with God, with others like us, to be able to say, like, we're dreaming big. We're going for it. But we forget how wild we are. We forget and we go back to what we know. And some of us have been programmed to eat that donut longer than 10 years. I I think that we wonder sometimes, like, how do we stop this cycle? How do we figure out how we can be the person that God wants me to be so that we can become the people that God wants us to be? How do we do this? Well, I think that it comes down Um, One simple, simple way to do it is to ask a question. And I'm actually going to pray real quick because then we're going to go to the action steps. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what's in our heart right now when we take a pause and we say, God, dig in a little bit. We want to open ourselves up to you. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts so that we might be able to do the work that we need to do today, right now whatever reason we're here today. Lord, we want to begin to make progress and help us, oh God, to remember what our identity is. In Jesus' name. You see, this is just how it works. We need more than just our perspective. We need more than just our perspective. What Judges says is that 2125 says, that, you know what, without a king, everyone did what, what they thought was right in their own eyes. And so how do we do it? It's through a question. And this is the question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? The only way that I can know what it's like to experience me is not by asking myself, not by thinking about it myself. It's by asking Sarah to say, you know what, babe, what is it, what's it like to be on the other side of me and just wait and listen? You see, if we ask this question, we gain insight. We gain insight into our attitudes, into our actions, into our motives, into what it's like to be on the other side of me. This is a scary question, though. It's a very scary question. What is someone going to say? So we have to be careful about um, who we ask, when we ask, and what we do with the information when we get it. Because here's what this question opens us up to. It allows us to start to understand, again, not what we think, but what it looks like and what it feels like on the outside of us, experiencing us. Am I living like there is no king? Am I pretending like there is a king? Am I living surrendered to the king? You see, we can have a lot of things in our mind about what our motives are and what we're doing, and we can think about that, but you know what? The important thing is to say, you know, what's it really like? What is it coming across? Am I a bulldozer? Do I not care what anybody thinks? Here's the fourth one that's on there, that's not on there, that is really indicting, is this. Am I living like I am the king? And I think that this is the stuff that really gets at us. So who do we ask? Who do we ask? (laughs) Be careful. 
be careful who we ask. Um, someone who is close, someone who is trusted, someone who has faith. This is not a question to ask of someone um, that you just barely know. Someone that has to understand you and know you really well. I wonder if you have a name in your mind right now of one person that you could ask this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? I, I wonder if you do, because I'm not so sure. Like, I, I've wrestled through this message. I knew this was coming. I had a lot of preparation. You guys did it. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, who could I truly ask this question of and value what they would say back to me? So it might be somebody that's in your family. It might be your spouse. It might be somebody else in your family. It might be a close friend. It could even be potentially a coworker, possibly, if they have faith and they're, they're connected and you're close to them, potentially. But the interesting thing is that we just have to be careful about who we ask. But James 5.16 is really clear. James 5.16 says this. You got that, Lauren? Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we see this passage, and typically it's taught very, very accurately that we're to confess, you know, things to those trusted individuals in our life to help us get through those things and to be healed of those things. And, and we're able to see that. And this healing isn't just of our sins or, or physical healing, but it's the emotional, spiritual healing that we might need. But I, I want us to think about this also this question as a confession, like, I confess that I want to know what it's like to be on the other side of me. And some of you are, 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 are and I would be too, like, not sure who we would ask or we not, not sure what kind of answer we might get back. And I want to talk about two relationships that I think we need to be aware of, and I hope this is helpful to you because it's been helpful, helpful to me. Um, the cop and the coach. Um, the cop relationship is like a person that you might ask this to or, or you might share something with, but you typically you are going to them to basically tell on yourself. Like, hey, I didn't do things right this week. I stumbled. I struggled. I didn't work. It didn't work out. I messed up. I'm, I'm not okay. And, and what does the cop do? The cop says, well, the rule says this, and the citation I have to write out is this. And so you're just going to have to work harder next time. I really need you to get in line. And so that, that's what happens. It becomes a cycle. So we screw up again. We go back to the, that cop in our life. And we say, you know what? I screwed up. And they say, you know what? Here's your citation. What ends up happening, and you know what, let's just say, be honest, that sometimes some of us were so hard-hearted that we just needed somebody to slap us around and say that, be like a cop to us and say, look, you're, you're out of line, man. But if you continue in a relationship like this long enough, what ends up happening is that you end up hiding the things that are not okay. And you end up lying about how well you're doing. Maybe some of you have been there. You know, dad's coming home, and you might have to hide what's going on. And so what you spend all your time doing in that relationship is talking about the 90% that you're doing right, but not about the 10% that's not okay. The coach relationship is a little better. I mean, 
it's a little better. This is a, a person that you share, you know what, hey, I, I screwed up. This is not okay. Um, I, I need help. And the coach comes alongside you and says, look, it's all right. What I need you to do is keep your eye on the ball. And I want you to keep your, your chin down when you swing through and just swing through that, that ball. And then you're going to get a line drive. I, I, I know you can. And they send you back into the game. And you feel good about it. You're motivated and you're like, yeah, I can do this and watch this, coach. What I'm going to do is I'm going to watch the ball, keep my eye on it, I'm going to keep my chin down and I'm going to just swing right through that ball, center cut. I got it, coach. And after a while, what this turns into is trying harder. And so we lie to the coach and we, tr- to the cop and we try with the coach. And we develop this, this habit. Now, all of us at some point in our lives need coaches in our life. This is not all bad. But it, when we only have a coach, it turns into simply just trying harder. Next week, I'm going to talk about the third relationship that I believe is the transformational re- relationship that unlocks a lot of what this is talking about. It's someone who actually is a cardiologist. And we'll talk about that next week. These three relationships are, are, if you want to read more about it, um, there's a book I can tell you about, um, and, and it's powerful stuff. But when you think about who you ask this question of, you just have to be careful. Some of you are sitting here right now, and you cannot wait for someone to ask you this question. Like, you can't wait for your spouse to ask you, what's it like to be on the other side of them? Because you're loaded for bear. You've got so much to tell them. I'm just going to light them up when they, t- when they ask me that question. I've been waiting for that. Woo! And then let me tell you this. They're probably not going to ask you because you're not safe. And that can be felt. They're going to ask someone that they trust, someone that they can really believe that there's going to be something good and fruitful that comes out of it. So when you ask, when you're thinking about this, I mean, as you're thinking about what's one person that you could ask this question of this week, um, Think about what that James passage said as well, that there would be um, an element in an environment of prayer, that when they, when they speak back to you and answer, that you're able to pray together about that and be able to move in the direction of who God wants you to be. And I think that that's super important, that that person is able to do that with you. So, so the question then becomes, what if I don't ask the question? What if I just don't ask it? Eh. And that's super easy because, A, I'm not sure I want to know because I feel like I've been here before and I've been on the receiving end of people telling me how bad I am. And I've felt the shame, I've I've felt the guilt, and I don't need that. Again, I think you're asking the wrong person. But what happens if you don't ask the question? History shows us that what you miss out on is what's called a transformational relationship. Jesus knew that there was something that happened when believers got together and they actually opened up to each other and able to talk to each other and to to help each other become the people that God intends for us to be. You see, what these types of connections do is that they, they, they ignite a desire in us to allow the Spirit to empower us to be more like Him. The band can come up. Um, I believe that I want this place to be a place where transformational relationships are found, cultivated, 
where people are connected in a way that allows them and allows all of us to become the people that God wants us to be. To be separate but different, to be a blessing. Because without this, if you don't ask the question, what you revert to is Judges 21-25. In those days, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think that having that extra perspective and even like, you know, having the dedication today, this is an opportunity for us to really help, help a family, help all of us become the people God intends us to be. That's what it's all about. But I would recommend this. If you're afraid to ask the question, or you're really loaded for bear to answer somebody when they ask you, let me, let me just say where we have to start. We have to start by confessing that Jesus is king. We have to start by confessing that Jesus is king. Because when we choose to step into that, that is what kicks our souls into gear. You guys can stand. We're going to go into some songs and we're going we're gonna, to um, spend some time singing. And I really believe that God wants us to do the work in this area of our life. You can try to do this follower of Jesus thing on your own, but it's a very lonely journey. And by starting by, by this way, by confessing that Jesus is king, what it allows for is for you to have the confidence, the awareness of who to ask and the confidence to ask the question knowing that you are secure. That if there's guilt or condemnation that comes from that person, that that is not Jesus talking. That Jesus is the one who's going to help you become the person that he intends for you to be. You see, there's something that happens inside you. There's something inside you that wants to know. That wants to know, I'm not, I'm not okay with just my own perspective. I don't want that because it's not healthy. And I'm praying today that this week, even today, that you would have the passion for Jesus and the desire to become more like him and ask this question of someone. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we pause for a second. As we go into these songs, Lord, some of us in the room, it's time for us to finally confess that you are king. Lord, we have sought after the things that we think are desirable, but Lord, from our own perspective, it may look right, but Lord, we just pray, God, that you would bring people into our life, that we could ask that question that gets us outside of our perspective and allows us to be even accountable in some ways to a fellow believer. Lord, I, I pray right now that for those of us that do need to step over the line and give our hearts to you, that we would start by simply confessing that, Lord, we are not okay. We need a Savior. We need you, Jesus. I have done so much to not deserve salvation, but, Lord, you came to bring that to me by dying on a cross in my place to take my sin on you 
so that I could be free. Lord, this is what I want to do, is I want to start by confessing that you are the king. And you rose again three days later to bring me life and to set me apart, to be different than the world, that I don't act or I'm not even thinking like them, and I don't fit in, but I also am perfectly secure because of who you are in my life. You are my leader, you are my king, and you are my forgiver. Lord, for some of us, we prayed a prayer like that just now, and Lord, we have begun a life with you. Now, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to become the people that you intend for us to be. Help us not to rush through moments like this, but to truly open up to you and allow you to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name.